Hello and welcome to the Licensed to Queer podcast, where we're on a mission to uncover why James Bond appeals so much to LGBTQ plus people. Why not see 007 from a different angle? I am here with a very special guest today. And even though just before we started recording, I I was practicing pronunciation of my guest name, I know that nerves are going to get to me and I'm going to mess it up. So uh, welcome to Gilles Lafleur. That's very That's not bad. That's not bad. Gilles Lafleur. More like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. I, it's you're being very, very charitable. I'm 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 still miles <laughs> off. I have a I have a feeling. But um I'm I'm very um happy to have a conversation uh with Gilles. The only conversation that we've actually had so far was about uh on and off for the last five days or so on Instagram. Uh when you messaged me complete first time you'd ever messaged me. And um, well, I'm going to read out the message, actually, because that'll um, clue people into the, the sort of things that we're going to be talking about. So hi, David. As a gay trans man and bomb fan of 15 years, I wanted to thank you for your work on License to Queer. I've only recently found my way into the Bond fandom. Growing up, being a fan was a thing I couldn't really share with anyone, especially not anyone like me. For 10 years, I've been able to share it with my partner, but out of us two, I'm still the biggest nerd. My husband can definitely relate to that. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Your latest queer review on No Time to Die made me very emotional. I may or may not have hidden in the gym's toilets to cry my eyes out. I don't think anyone understood why it was taking me so long to process this film. So thank you for putting it into words. I'm hoping that I'll finally be able to get over it now. In the meantime, I'll be filling the void with WOQ fan fiction. Take care, Gilles. Right, so lots to unpack there, Gilles. <laughs> yep. Where do you want yep. to start? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We can we can start from the start, or we can start from No Time to Die, whichever. Um... Yeah. So yeah, start with No Time to Die then. What? Yeah. Tell me. What did you feel? Uh, clearly, you had a. I had a very strong emotional reaction to to No Time to Die. Pretty sounds like you did as well. Yeah, and and it's evolved over the course of many viewings because I feel I, I feel like I've pretty much single handedly financed the next one because I've seen so many times in the cinema. Um, so the, the first time I saw it was um, at the premiere at mm-hmm. the Royal Albert Hall. Which yeah, I saw like those on flex, but So you actually yeah. went to the premiere, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I did go there. And I also was at the Spectre premiere back in 2015. Actually. Wow. Anyway, um, so yeah, when I when I saw it the first time, um, I very much had mixed feelings uh, about the film. And I think the fact that I saw it at the premiere specifically uh, did have an influence on that because like the expectations going in were like, sky high i had tickets to the original premiere like a year and a half before back in france that got cancelled like two weeks Mm. before i was was crushed um and yeah i came in just like for craig's latest movie craig's my bond like you can see the (laughs) i can see the poster behind me and it's been there for 15 years so that is the um, best poster of the entire craig era i used to have that i used to have that poster on my classroom wall I mean, oh, I, God. I do, you know, I'm a teacher, and I that used to be the poster on like the stock cupboard door. Yeah, yes. amazing. Yes, I think yeah. So, like, I came in for this last film, knowing it would be the last one, and at the premiere with like, like just all the cast and crew there, and surrounded by Bond fans. So I was, yeah, expectations were really high. And I think mostly the ending, but also the overall premiere experience, because it wasn't quite how I pictured it. It's like, it was very much like, get on the red carpet, like get in, you couldn't really hang around. 
the stage, you can really like wait for like crew and cast members to come in. So I did completely miss Daniel actually. I came in, it was Emmy uh, Harris and, uh, and Rami Malik taking pictures with the press and they weren't like even, you couldn't even like say hi or anything. They were right. just like completely separated from the, the people, from the pleb. Um, so this and, and well, the end, because I mean, it ends with the end. Um, it left me feeling like that's it. Like, like this is like the last 15 years of, of, of my life, like obsessing over this stuff. Yeah. And then that's how it's going to end. Um, but, but as I saw it more, especially from like second, third viewings onwards, um, I started appreciating a lot more. And I think it's because when you know what's coming, you enjoy the parts leading up to it a lot more. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff that I had very negative feelings about on my first viewing, namely the whole uh, Mathilde plot and, mm. and the whole Madeleine plot, actually, um, I actually kind of enjoy now. And I really didn't on the first viewing. There's stuff I still don't like. <laughs> a lot of stuff I still don't like. Uh, but this, I've kind of changed my mind about. Um, I think probably initially going in, Madeleine was still riding on the, the negative. Yeah image I had coming from Spectre because yeah. I only saw Spectre twice at the premiere two days after and I haven't seen it since 2015 so <laughs> it was it was like the... dead to you that is like yeah. I, I, I can't deal with the whole trauma yeah, I can't deal with this film <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm gonna watch it again I want to do a like my partner and I want to do a Bond marathon over yeah. the Christmas holidays so yeah it's, it's gonna yeah I'm, I'm gonna see it again maybe <laughs> maybe not skip it um but yeah and i and i i guess like one of the reasons i didn't like like apart from the fact that i didn't like madeleine inspector and so i didn't like her coming in this one um the whole daughter plot that's in fiction it's probably the number one trope i hate the most when the two like main characters in, in the, the romance end up having a child and then mm. it's either the child continuing the story or like the child becomes a very like very like focus point of the story yeah. and I, I guess i mean i that's that's probably linked to like queer stuff right when you're like yeah. when you've never quite considered that you would ever have children of your yeah. own um i, I hate it have, i hate it as well because it is that that and this is why it took me eight well i, I say ages I, I wrote the queer review no time to die quite quite quickly um but i had those thoughts going around in my head ever since when i first saw it and i kind of going into it i thought how am i going to feel if james bond has a child because i hate that trope as well because it is that whole you know you can only carry carry on through somebody else and it's okay to die then your life is over you've sort of yeah, yeah and that and as a queer person who's probably never going to have children of my own that that always really grates with me so is that is that part of, yeah. do you reckon that's part of the reason why it always grates with you oh yeah i think so i mean i never quite analyzed it but it's been this way since i was a little child like i've always hated like yeah anytime like main characters would just end up having a child and the next books would be about the child or, or something i just yeah i just couldn't deal with that and it's i mean yeah like looking back it's very obviously uh, link to that I think it's such a heteronormative uh, thing you know it's the whole you know get married have kids die <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean and there's, there's, there's this added thing that as, as, a, as a trans man like the even just the idea of like carrying your own child I mean mm. some some guys deal with that just fine but mm. it's just always been like a massive source of anxiety for me mm. way before I realized I was trans I was like nope there's no way I'm doing that ever. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that plays into it as well. Absolutely. So as a trans Bond fan, is, are there any points where you felt like you didn't fit within the Bond community? Because I've talked about this quite recently on some other people's podcasts and things, and I've started to write about this really, but I haven't really dealt with it head on. But there was a brief period in my life where I thought Bond isn't for me. I don't see myself in Bond in, in, in these films and books and whatever. Did you ever have that point as well? Hmm. Well, with regards to the fandom, I'd say yes, because I think the reason why I never quite 
found my way into it was because the fandom from afar looks like a bunch of middle-aged white guys like basically really and i mean and i think in, in france it's pretty much only that um because the, that's the people i saw at the spectre premiere in, in paris it was that kind of people right no one else literally um and so i think that's why i also like kind of kept myself from engaging with the fandom as well because i didn't want to engage with these people i didn't want to engage with people who would like be like oh like m's a woman now or oh no we got a female 007 or like i just yeah i didn't want to waste my time and so the and only they... person i sorry no no i was gonna say and that you're right those are the dominant voices in bond fandom it's exactly the same here in the in, in, obviously you are in the uk right now aren't you yeah. yeah. So, but it's it's you know you probably experienced that while you, um while you're here, um yeah. and very much in America as well. It seems to be the case, and you're right. Mm. It tends to be straight, cisgendered, um, mm. middle aged. Hey, I'm not that far off myself. Uh, but uh, Sorry. But, <laughs> but, but white white men, and they tend to dominate, and because they dominate the discourse. It's like there are lots of other people, and that's part of the reason I started Licensed to Queer because I wanted, I wanted those voices to be heard more, um, because they it, it just seemed that the the typical Bond fan was sort of stealing all the oxygen out of the room, really. Yes, yes, and funny enough, I mean, I found you and and also um, Dr. Lisa Funnels' oh, yeah. uh, work through um, Calvin Dyson's yeah. YouTube channel, and he's yeah. very much like a white random white guy right um but i think i mean i think i don't know if you watch this stuff but he's got do, like, yeah. quite a progressive view on on stuff in general yeah in fact um, i think there were two there were two queer bond fans again both white uh cisgendered uh gay men um and and that's why licensed queer i want it to be be more than that really but you know mark o'connell who wrote a book um uh, about his childhood experiences and coming out and that sort of thing and uh, then calvin dyson and actually um uh calvin contributed with one of the the pieces i wrote about goldeneye the video game when oh, amazing. Uh, yeah he's a know, massive fan of this one right we, we keep meaning to find some kind of uh, more sort of um, substantial collaboration or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of his work. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's like when watching his videos, that's when I realized like not everyone has the same opinions mm. about Bond films. And that was, that was quite a revelation. Cause yeah, for, I mean, 15 years, it was just me, then my partner, my uncle a little bit, but he's like, he's a lot older. Like he's like yeah. really into like Roger Moore and stuff, but he was the only one until like basically this year to whom I could chat about really nerdy Bond stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the fandom has felt a little bit lonely, but I've never felt like the work itself was missing queer stuff because i think i think i'm like you right i i kind of read between the lines to to see what i want to get out of it Absolutely. and for when i was a kid and i think that's the reason why i got like sucked into it so hard with with casino royale because that's the the first one i saw at the cinema i was nine uh, when my dad took me to see it and um i think it's because i saw bond's character as this like effortlessly cool like like oozing the kind of masculinity i really wanted for myself but i thought i never mm. could have because i didn't know trans was a thing like and it's just like it was just this like kind of remote fantasy kind of kept me going for years when i thought like well i well i can't be like that but then i've got this other character that i can just like have for like emotional support or whatever like it's I, I think I, Daniel, this, I, I yeah, think Daniel Craig does that. That it's interesting what you said about it, it's almost like effortless masculinity because obviously, and some people don't like this, but Daniel Craig's bond is far, you know, it's far more psychological. You know, he's got an inner life, but at the same time, he does have that, especially in Casino Royale, he has that swagger to him at the same time. Um, and even though he's ostensibly a straight cisgendered guy, it's kind of like. I, I, I think part of the appeal for me is I almost want to try and emulate that effortlessness. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it's a, it's, it's a gay trans thing or if it's just a gay thing. 
uh but like when you see someone who's like so cool it's you, i'm i'm confused between two things i'm like do i want to be him or mm. do i want to be with him yeah <laughs> and the definitely daniel in, in casino royale was like nine-year-old me was like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah that, that's a that's a I, I was um interviewed by a journalist recently who kind of brought that up and he said did you want to be more with bond or did you want to be bond and i ended up coming down obviously it's a bit of both but it, it for me it's more being bond than with bond but i suppose everyone's where, where would you say you're 50 50 yeah i think so yeah. i think so but i mean I'm, I'm trying really hard to emulate that but it's like I want to say I wanted to grow up to be Bond and I grew up to be Q because I'm, I'm a nerd, like a data scientist, like I spend my life in front of a computer screen. So, I'm, yeah. Definitely nothing wrong with wanting to be Q. <laughs> I didn't want to. I just ended up. Yeah. <laughs> like you write double OQ fan fiction. That's right, isn't it? I keep meaning to yeah. get more into this. It's um, I haven't read a lot of it, actually, because writing it's also been a thing that i've been doing on my own without sharing it with anyone for years and years um, until very recently um but yeah like after watching no time to die for the i think it was the fifth time oh my god <laughs> i'm hopeless um i i just kept thinking about you know those two lines that um so m's line that's like oh shut up q i know he's staying with you staying with you yeah and um and Q's line, um, can I please have one nice evening before, before the world explodes? Yeah. And and I kept going in my head, like, what's that scene that we're missing between the scene where Money Penny and Bond are at Q's and the scene after that where they're at in M's office? And so I was like, there's there's stuff to be said here, there's stuff to be done here. And so yeah, I just I had this idea like it went like I mulled over it for a while and then like I started writing it and it ended up being basically like Bond coming back to Q's um late in the day, late in the night, and realizing that Q's date stood him up. And so they end up having dinner instead. Um it's very low-key, like very like understated, but I need to yeah. read this, Jill. I well, need to read this. <laughs> And if you ever well, want, if you want it published anywhere, um, <laughs> then I am more than happy to host it on the website. Well, I mean, if you want to read it, it's on fanfiction.net. Uh, Is it in English or French? Page. Because you know my GCSE both. will. It's in French. Well, it's both. I've got I've got an English oh, version up. There you go. I was going to say I might have to rely on Google Translate in parts <laughs> at least. No, but yeah, I I'm I'm still waiting on an uh, archive of our own account like AO3 that's like the main yeah. fan fiction site that people use for WQ especially yeah uh, but I've, I've put it on fanfiction.net in the meantime oh wow it's called one nice evening before the word explodes oh one nice I'm writing that down one yeah <laughs> there you go it's, that, like, it's very short like not, not much happens but yeah I just it felt no. It felt needed, like it conjured oh, yeah. some feelings about the, the film. Um, it's so yeah. interesting that you went for that narrative gap. And so, and and the uh, first time I saw the film, that was part of one of those things which just kept going around in my head. I was like, and no one on Twitter or Instagram seems yes. discussing that. And I'm like, yes. it's like so big. This is why queer points of view are so valuable because. I'm like, we see I things know. sometimes which are like, why why have you never seen this? Why have you never seen it in this in these terms? People just, you know, you see the same opinions trotted out on social media about Bond and the same yeah. kind of observations. And you just like, I, I just get the feeling sometimes it's like, you're wider the mark. That's not what this means. This is what this means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's that. And the first time I saw the film also like one of the, like the parallels that really jumped at me and you touch on that on your queer review is um, the scene of the, uh, like lighter's death yeah. uh, as compared to Vespers in Casino. And I've seen Casino Royale like 40 times. So like that, I mean, like it was like really quite striking to me how it's shot the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And I've cut the like, cut the shots, like put them side by side. 
the cinematography is the exact same. Like the color grading is the same. Like if you zoom out, you can't see the difference between the two scenes. It's the same succession, oh God, that's a complicated word of shots. Like it's like Bond and, and Lighter holding, like Bond's like holding Lighter's head and he was holding Vesper's hands. And then it's um, the shot where they float yeah. away and then Bond just like just losing air and then like piecing out and yeah and i was like there's no way this wasn't intentional like there's no way you're not implying something there like <laughs> it, it, it can't have been an accident or if it was it was you know it was it was done intentionally i think or at the very least subconsciously that the director wanted to make us remember a, a similar time that bond has lost someone he's incredibly close to yeah i think yeah, you're right i took that visual confirmation that Bond is bisexual. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't know why anyone is still debating this, to be perfectly honest. I mean, aside from, you know, bisexual being an identity <laughs> label and whatever, but, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not even up for debate anymore as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, you, said, you said that you were almost um, crying. I know um, you, you um, said you were almost crying in the gym. Is that right? Oh, yeah. When you, when you, yeah, I would, yeah. So uh, obviously, I don't want to, you know, um, upset you again because uh, <laughs> I've already <laughs> done it once. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's not the first time someone said they've found something I've written quite emotional. But it is the first time someone says they've cried their eyes out, in, had to hide in the gym toilets to cry their eyes out. So I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to learn why that, why that was the case. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I I reread well I read the piece because I listened to it on a like podcast format yeah. when I was at the gym, mm -hmm. and I reread it and rereading it I started like tearing up again and I was like oh god, oh my god. I remember all the feels, <laughs> and um, yeah so, I mean yeah listen to it at the gym like I just basically I got to the gym I was quite excited to listen to it because I only listen to podcasts at the gym so I was quite yeah, excited same, to get yeah. to the gym and listen to it and gone a treadmill to warm up and within 10 minutes I was already like cheering up and I was like oh there's no way I'm doing this <laughs> so I hid in the toilet <laughs> like 10 minutes trying to pretend everything was fine and then I just like booked it out and listened <laughs> to, to the rest of it at home just like crying in my kitchen <laughs> oh god i mean I, a part of me wants to say sorry but at the same time i i love a really good cry it always yeah, makes it me like, it always makes it me like, feel feel better so i'm not going to apologize yeah. i don't think no no it was it was great it was great like i'd been like like processing these feelings from the film for like like i don't know how long it's yeah. been now two months yeah something um, like that. more than that actually wow has it been so long ago already? So were there any um, parts in particular? Because I know it was one of the longer. Uh, they seem, just keep getting longer and longer, the things that I write. That's so, um, keep going. Don't yeah. stop. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't, I, look, what have you unleashed now? Uh, the next one will be even more. Um, but were, were there any bits in particular? Or was it just kind of, was it because, you know, it was bringing back the ending? Because that's sort of how I, I wanted to start with the ending, so... Yeah. Yeah. No, it was definitely the part on Bond that hit me the hardest. It's the one where I full on cried, like paused it after this one. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought about it and I think it's it's um like two things. The part about Bond as a, a myth. Mm -hmm. Um and not just like the because you made the particular like you linked into like Heracles and like Greek mythology in general and I think it also resonated in the sense that uh, Bond to me has kind of been a mythological presence in my life like mm. in general and I think like one of yeah one of the things um, from my childhood in, in, in relation to that is from very early on, from basically like 2006 when I saw Casino for the first time, I kind of created this persona for myself um, that I named Jill Bond, lol. Um, and in what I now see was uh, a, like a way to try and keep um, my gender dysphoria 
at arm's length. So mm-hmm. basically it was like this, basically it was James Bond, but it was me and it, he was nine and it was a guy and I was just pretending to be him. Um, like, yeah. A persona and, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. It's like, because me, me and my brother were really into like kind of role playing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like not like Dungeons and Dragons, but just like make up scenarios and he'd play every single character and I'd play the hero. Like he'd play all the supports cast and the villain and everything. <laughs> the hero. Um, and like we'd do like these like, like, missions and stuff where i would like act out as 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 jill bond and and yeah i guess that that circles back also to the to that thing you you, you said about um bond's retirement being a thing like like in which he was pretending to be someone he's not mm. and like pretending to be this character was actually me being me Mm-hmm. And and living my normal life was me pretending to be someone I'm not. Wow. Um, and I think that's that's when like I really like started crying that that bit in your in your review and it, it continues with like, um, you do like when you touch on like a little bit heavier stuff like 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 suicidal mm-hmm. ideation and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't say that I've personally ever like like full on experienced that, mm-hmm. but that obviously it was quite like some quite low points um especially like middle school back when i didn't know being that being trans was a thing and i just thought i was kind of strange and i didn't think it would ever get better um and yeah there was there was points at at that time where i really wish um hadn't been born because i was born a girl and i didn't like that at all um and that's when i came back to that like kind of jill bond character around yeah, like 12, 12, 13 years old, a few years after. And and that's also when I started the first draft of what eventually became the novel I worked on this year. And it was because it was initially like about this character and Jill Bond. It was basically like the two things I liked at the time Goldeneye, Twilight, boom. I made it, <laughs> <laughs> I, mashed up, I mashed them up into a, a novel. But yeah, it was kind of like a way to process all these like gender feels. I can I just say I'm just you know I'm like sitting here going I I know as you know coming out as gay is not the same as coming out as trans and you've come out as gay as well um but at the same time I'm I'm just um because I know I know how how uh, I cried a lot while I was writing that <laughs> queer review to be honest I found it really cathartic um, but also, you know, very upsetting in some in some parts. And I had to leave it alone and come back to it a few days later. And mm. there's been a few other pieces like that but that I've done, but especially that one. Um, so I'd, ju- I'd just like to thank you for sh- kind of sharing that, really, because um, I believe that we do need to be quite open about our emotions to kind of help other people as well. And I think people who might be listening to your story um there um and i know we've only really scratched the surface but people might be listening to that and then go oh okay so um some people might might take solace from from that um so i I don't know i don't upset you too much but it's fine it's fine i I don't mind really talking about it and and thank you for putting it out there what what you wrote i i just think like yeah no go on no I, i was gonna say like if writing it was cathartic for you mm. it was i guess quite cathartic to read as well um and the, the the very end like of the first part when you touch on that basically like bond chooses to die rather than living an empty life and that's that's really the part where i was like full-on crying and 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 i mean it's true like like i'd rather die than go back in the closet ever yeah. same um so yeah that's that's when i had to pause and be like oh my god <laughs> So are yeah. we, uh, uh, this is probably far too reductive, but are you almost saying that um, Jill Bond, and I love this, I love that idea, that Jill Bond was sort of a, you know, a coping mechanism in a way, kind of imagining oh, yeah. what you could, could, what sort of life you could lead? Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. It was, yeah, it was, it was basically me, like, like, pretending I was a guy in a space that felt safe when i didn't know that was even an option really because i i was never discouraged or anything i never like came out and then got 
shoved back in the closet by like okay. parents or anything. It's just I didn't know it was a thing. I'm from like very rural town in Normandy. Like no one could really like understand what was going on in my head, right? So yeah, there was these safe ways. And it's not it's not just Bond, but Bond was a big thing. But every character I've ever played when I was playing with my brother or every character I've ever played in a video game, like I've always picked a male character. I've always like always like tried to like vicariously live through like media and stuff. And like like when the Hunger Games and stuff like that came out, I just couldn't relate to the like strong female character everyone would be like oh you're gonna love this like the, the character the main character is a tomboy and i was like no nah, fuck that like no i <laughs> just let me read like alex Ryder and, and that kind of stuff like that was what i was into not like strong female characters and no but, hate on those it was just it's really interesting what you say um about strong female characters because um there's there's another uh, uh there's a, a a big contributor to licensed queer sam rogers who's written quite a lot about this and he's like me he's a cisgendered um gay man uh but there's a stereotype that cisgendered gay men tend to identify with strong female characters which i write about in the queer review yeah. Paloma in particular um but that's not the case if you're a transgender gay man so well, i guess it depends to be yeah. fair i think there's 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 a lot of like quite feminine trans gay men and, mm. and who definitely probably relate uh to, to female characters more yeah which adds a layer of complexity because like yeah. if you're like feminine but you're trans masculine then like like I know. <laughs> it's even harder for every, anyone to take you seriously i think uh, and yeah yeah no i'm definitely like i've it's funny because when i was younger i would really reject anything even remotely associated with like femininity mm. like i'd reject like female characters mm. i'd reject like everything like clothing like activities i just couldn't like do it and now that i've come out and like realized and i guess i'm much more comfortable with my gender yeah. i like i've accepted that my favorite color is pink or that kind of stuff i watch gossip girl like i don't mind it anymore uh if because I, I don't know, I, f I felt like I couldn't do it when people saw me as a girl. I felt like I had to be the, as masculine as possible. Right. I don't feel so compelled to do that anymore. No. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a lot less pressure to just be able to enjoy what you enjoy um, without questioning, like, oh, is this going to make me look like a girl? Or Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even within... You know, I think probably there was a time in my life when I kind of did the whole trying to cover up being gay thing and then went kind of like only, you know, I don't like musicals, I don't, you know, anything vaguely. I wouldn't wear pink, whereas I'm almost now kind of compensating for that by um, <laughs> basically I, I realized the other day as I was going through my wardrobe that I have about five of five pink shirts. I was like, how many pink shirts does one one man require, really? <laughs> You know, it's a fashion statement. No, you can never have enough pink shirts. So I think yeah. the dominant colour of my wardrobe now is pink, to be perfectly honest. Whereas, you know, prior to coming out, that would never have been an option. Yeah, really no, I, I fully get that. I fully get that. I wear a lot more pink now than I did when, before I came out. Um, I, I almost have a problem with wearing dull colours. So I noticed we're both wearing, obviously, you know, very... Christmas. Interesting Christmas jumpers today. <laughs> but it was just before we started recording, you said that you were, and which is so weird because I, I thought exactly the same thing. You thought you might wear the navy blue sunspell polo from Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I am wearing it underneath. Oh, you are? Really yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, right. yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I almost, I, seriously, I almost wore mine today, but this jumper is so thick by itself that I thought I can't wear anything under <laughs> here. But no, that, that is beautiful. So <laughs> Thanks. So if you, I mean, if you don't mind kind of sharing a bit, because, um, um, you know, when when did you um, come out for the first time? Um, so I came out to pretty much everyone within like a month of realizing I was trans. So that was uh, wow. two years ago two and a half years ago so summer 2019 basically wow um it really hit me like a ton of breaks because I, I moved to london for 
for a master's degree and I started hanging out with a group of queer people. I skateboard a lot. So I ended up with this yeah. like queer skate group in London. And there was a lot of, of trans people, especially trans masculine people, which I literally never heard of before at all. Um, and then like over the course of the year, I just started like realizing like, oh God, like that's, that's me. <laughs> and yeah, at the end of the year, I was like, well, wow. okay. Um, at the end of school year so so around june i came out to my partner and my family next month and then everyone's school like before school started again uh and in in september and never looked back i mean that that's incredible i didn't uh, sorry i i see in my head i'd sort of worked out a different time scale from what you just said about when you're in middle school and you you were having a really tough time then but this is this is really recent isn't it yeah yeah it is it is and i mean back when I was in middle school and like like gender feels were like getting horrible because I'm puberty and stuff uh, mm. that's that's never a great time for, for trans people um I did like like full-on like write a letter to my mom saying like like I hate having been born a girl like it's it's the worst thing in my life and she did take me to uh, a psychologist but he never said the word gender dysphoria ever. really like he, he I and I think to be honest I don't think he was like actively trying to like not trans me um I think he was just like unaware. He didn't like, know. Just, like, no, I think he just didn't know because, like, like I said, like small town, like Normandy, um, and he never said it to me. Never said it to my parents. And it's this thing, like, um, when there's something in your life that you know that you can't change, and that you have, you literally don't know that you have options to change it. Like, I, I was just not gonna let it, like prevent me from enjoying life I would just be like well okay like I feel this way about my gender my body whatever but there's nothing I can do about it so I'm just going to carry on living my life it's not going to prevent me from being happy it's not going to prevent me from doing what I want to do um it's just there and so that's 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 how I dealt with it basically until like I met other people like me and I realized like well actually I do have options that I didn't know about and and yeah, and it, it all like came like rushing back, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> I got to do something about it now." Uh, and I, yeah, didn't wait at all. That's incredibly inspirational because I, I mean, obviously, looking back, I realize I was traumatized by growing yeah. gay, as you know, many queer people do. Um, but at the same time, I did, you know, it wasn't all misery. I did try to make the best of it. I just realized in hindsight, I was. I was having to put all that energy into kind of pretending I was happier than I was. Um, and, you know, since coming out, you know, for the first time more than 10 years ago, I've kind of like living my best life. Is that yeah. sort of is that sort of how you feel in the last couple of years? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Like I can do so much stuff I thought I'd never do. And, and I guess the main thing is I can now like it's realistic for me to now work towards a body that I can actually get now because I always thought well I'd be stuck like being I used to like play rugby and stuff I, I've always been like quite like tough but I never thought like like okay that's gonna sound really vain but that, <laughs> you know that image of Daniel coming out of the water in, in oh yeah 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 out, right when I was a kid I was like I want to be like this when I grow up and I was like, obviously that's never gonna happen. And now actually, well, actually it can happen. And I can absolutely like work towards this. And yeah, I've been able to like direct a lot of energy into changing stuff that I can change uh, when I thought it was just like hopeless before. You aren't the only person who, it's not vain at all, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, it's fine. I, I accept that, I'm a No, it's mate. not, it's totally not. Um, and I, I, um, you, I, I didn't start doing any form of exercise until my mm. early 20s. So I used to be um, at school, I was quite overweight. And um, I've written, a, I've written uh, something about this a while back. But you know, Daniel Craig coming out of the ocean, I don't look like that with in a pair of skimpy trunks, I'm afraid to say, uh, because I love cake too much. <laughs> So, and although I do go to the gym, it's somewhat infrequent, if I'm honest. I go, do lots of running, but that, that, that scene did sort of encourage me to start running and that kind of started helping with my mental health a bit as well. So, it, and, and, and there's quite a few other people who've said that, you know, they've taken Daniel Craig as a fitness inspiration. So I don't think it's vain at all. 
Yeah, well, cheers. <laughs> but yeah, I think though, I think it, it did inspire a lot of people because like, I mean, god damn, like how can you see that? Be it's either like you just wallow in your sofa and be like, oh well, that's never gonna happen. Or or, or So um, I presume just... you don't get to eat a lot of cake looking the way you do. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. It depends. Like there's there's periods, right? Like there's there's times where you bulk when you eat a lot. It's right. not usually cake, but you can like swing in some cake at that time. I've been cutting for like like five, four five months, and yeah, it hasn't been a lot of cake, um, unfortunately. I did okay. That's really vain now. I did buy like a clothes replica of the the Casino Royale swimming trunks, and that's like my goal for next summer <laughs> is to look like something in this. I um, <laughs> I do have a pair of those. <clears throat> Um, but the, the real person... ones are like the no, yeah the real ones. Of... The the only person who has ever seen me in them is my husband. So <laughs> um, um, they they will not be appearing on Instagram anytime soon. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's that's really cool that you got the the real ones because I mean they're like out of everywhere. Right? I did look for them really hard. Well, I say uh, they're, I say they're the real ones. They are a sort of um they are a sort of reproduction, but they they're very very close. They're very close, yeah. In more yeah. ways than one. Um close fitting as well. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh yeah. Well, think speaking of that like this. Yeah, that's that's kind of like one anxiety I do still have about like that is obviously being a trans man like this <laughs> there's nothing there right and it's like do i want that kind of attention right um, at the beach i don't know right we'll see we'll see maybe i will hey, i mean i care you know, about even you know cis- cisgendered men you know if the if the water's cold there's no- <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna say it's cold even though it's like greece and it's like 35 degrees but yeah fair no it's just cold <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I, I care, to be fair, I care about this stuff less and less as, as time goes on, so I'll probably uh, won't care that much. No, I, I honestly, you, you shouldn't care. I know, I know it doesn't make any difference someone else saying it, but you, you, really, <laughs> you really shouldn't care about, about that, no. Um, I'm just interested as well about, um, you mentioned this novel, just to go back to that for a second. So um, I, I know I'm, I brought this up on Instagram and you said that um, I'd have to learn French to be a, properly this time um, to be able yeah. to, to read this one. Is this one ever going to see the light of day? I'm hoping. I'm hoping it will. Because, I mean, I've been, I've been writing since I was a kid. Like the first thing I wrote was I was too young to actually know how to use the computer. So I dictated to my mom who typed it on the computer. <laughs> I was like six. It was Legend of Zelda fan fiction, by the way. Oh my god, that um, is so that is like one of the cutest things I've ever heard. Which which legend I'm a big Legend of Zelda fan. Which which um which iteration of it was it? Which which game? Uh, it was it, it was on? one of the N64 ones. Uh, Majora's Mask? Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, it was like mostly favorite. like just me putting Link somewhere and having him do stuff. That was that was the gist of it. But yeah, I mean I'm going back to novel i'm hoping it's going to end up somewhere i know it's not quite ready yet uh because I, I wrote the first draft over the course of this year like the first draft of the new version because i wrote a first draft really big air quotes there uh when i was in middle school um and i and that's what triggered me to actually uh rewrite it this year because back in january last year i just trolling through the files on my computer and I stumbled upon that and I was like oh okay let's, let's start reading and then I started reading and the cringe was like oh, really high but also I was kind of obsessed like I just couldn't stop like scrolling through the thing and I read the whole thing in like one sitting yeah, I stopped it was like 2am and I was like oh god I haven't eaten I've just been reading this like really cringe stuff I wrote 15 years ago and but I was like actually that's not bad and actually, there's something going on here, and I could turn this into something cool now, and and that's what I did. Um, so yeah, it's just the first draft. So it's obviously like not ready at all, and I did like have my partner read it. My my older brother as well um, has been placating all my like scenarios and like role play stuff for years. <laughs> Can you give us a sneak preview of the kind? Go and give us a mini synopsis of the story. Yeah. Um, so it's about um, a 16-year-old 
ex-spy for the French DGSC, uh, who's trying to get away from the word of espionage, but um, the ghost of a failed mission uh, catch up to him. Um, and you're going to have to read it to know what okay, actually... Yeah, I'm not ready. But it, it, um, I mean, I love any story. I think this is partly why I love the Craig film so much is because it's got that whole haunted by your past thing, which is there in Bond generally anyway. I think yeah. he's a, a really good feature of, of spy fiction. So that's, the, that's kind of the crux of the story, the past coming back to... There's something very queer about that, isn't there as well? Yeah. Past, <laughs> the past coming back to haunt you. <laughs> uh. I mean, I mean, I did mention that originally it was basically because I liked GoldenEye and I liked Twilight, so I took the plot of GoldenEye, added some romance, boom, and that was the, the thing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, past, like... There's, there's a lot of queer stuff going on in this book. Like, main character is bisexual. There's a few, like, other queer characters. There's a gay guy. There's an ace. Um, gender non-conforming girl. Because um, you need that in spy novels. Like, you got none of that. Like It's, it's like, bizarre. That spy, yeah, you know, I know. Spy, I mean, the, I, I find it quite inspiring that the real-life MI6, uh, the real M, posts on Twitter all the time about, you know, they support, um, you know, their transgender colleagues, they support their... Does he? Yeah, yeah. This uh, MI6 put up the transgender flag on Transgender um, Day of Awareness, Week of Awareness. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. There's actually, um, there's, a, there's a really nice piece on the on uh, the licensed queer sites one of my favorite pieces actually written by a trans contributor and she she wrote a story imagining what it would be like if one of the existing characters in bond transition well i think i read this one yeah yes, and, it was it was really good it was really good it's re i love it i love it so much and i used as the image that shot from mi6 where they put the transgender flag up uh, each year so that's that's beautiful yeah. i don't think the french dgsc would ever do that ever oh, really? <laughs> i know it's that i mean it's like very army very oh, like boys club kind of oh, right uh moods and i mean and that's that's a, we've got we've got to have a follow-up conversation at some time Jill. i know that i've already taken up about an hour hour of your time here but honestly endlessly fascinating um and you know i'd love to know more about the french secret service <laughs> in comparison <laughs> I suppose my, my final question, and by all means, ask me anything you like, but um, my final question is kind of like partners and how they deal with our bond obsession. So um, my, my husband is very tolerant. Um, uh, you might be able to see behind me. I've got my licensed queer logo done yeah, yeah, by Ruben Wakeman. Uh, he designed that. <laughs> Bless him. Love him to pieces. I've got a Living Daylights poster, but there's also it's fighting for space with Disney stuff and X-Men and all that kind of stuff. So our house is basically like a teenager's bedroom because uh, yeah. it's just got all of our favorite fan stuff. But, you know, my, my husband's quite tolerant of my Bond obsession. How's your partner's um, how's your partner get on with that? Yeah, he's 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 very good. He's very chill about it. And, and actually, when we first started, when we first got together 10 years ago, so high school um wow like, so you've been together since high school yeah 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 amazing um when we first got together we gave each other a list of films that we wanted the other to see and so he gave me a list of like like kubrick like tarantino movies like quite serious stuff and i just told him like watch all the james bond films just you have to watch them all <laughs> deal breaker <laughs> yeah absolutely and i was like you got to like there's no way we're doing this if you don't if you don't watch the movies um and he did and he actually found out that he quite like enjoyed them too uh thank god because I, <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> I don't know how he would have survived the next 10 years otherwise um but yeah no he's he's like quite into it uh we went to the spectre premiere together in 2015 uh, i was just 18 <laughs> And he uh, actually, so the setup was like, like there was a red carpet outside of the Second Rex, which is like an old French cinema where they have, it's the only cinema that ever has premieres. And so there was like kind of like barriers around the red carpet and, and people would just master like uh, on the barriers, like waiting for the, the cast to, to come in. And so the cast started coming in, but we were on the third row of people. So we can 
actually see what was going on. And I had my DVD of Casino Royale. Actually, I got it here. I can show you. I love that you've got that, it in hand. Yeah, because I mean, I've, I've packed all my stuff because I'm going to bring it back to London. Uh, so I wanted Daniel to sign it. And, but I was on the third row, so there was no way that this was going to happen. But he carried me on his shoulders for 20 minutes. He just broke his back, literally, for me, so that I could, like, hand my DVD over to Daniel. <laughs> over oh my the gosh. rows of people. And it worked. He is a keeper. I know, I no know. No wonder you're still together. <laughs> oh I think gosh. he hated me for, like, a week afterwards, because his back was just, like, done. <laughs> oh yeah. that is such a heartwarming note to end on <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, thank you so much for your time jill um i'm um uh, i'm sure we are going to speak again in future i'm the first thing i'm going to do um tomorrow is i'm going to look up your um double oq fanfic and oh, if, you're okay, <laughs> if you're okay with me uh, posting a link to it on the website um, yeah, then, then I'll then I'll I'll definitely do that, and I'm sure we'll um, I'm sure we'll talk in future, and maybe one day we might even meet face to face when the world has stopped being as crazy as it is at the moment. It is. Do you live in London? Or... I don't know. We live about uh, it's about an hour and a half by train away from London. We're in the Midlands. Yeah. Okay. What's okay. it What's well, it like for you? Uh, you, you you playing? Did you say you were planning to go back home? Uh, over Christmas. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I went back home a bit earlier because of, well, I mean, they said they would make it harder uh, for people coming from the UK back to France. So I uh, I moved my train a week ahead so I could go back home. So I'm oh, that's mean, my childhood are you actually in bedroom right hair? here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can uh, see all my James Bond stuff. Like that's a Casino Royale poster. Well, I took off, I had like a Spectre and a Skyfire. I'm sure I can see yeah. James Bond by the door as well. I'm sure I just saw the yeah, so, your eyes like, only. And those Living tiny ones in the like, back yeah that's like metal plates that my uncle uh gifted me for christmas and they're like 35 years old um like the, my uncle the bond fan and he got me these uh like as a christmas present so i was just like probably one of the best things i've ever got oh yeah <laughs> ever absolutely <laughs> so, yeah no so i didn't realize that you'd actually gone back to france already i was i was a bit worried actually because when you messaged and you were saying oh i'm planning to go back to france i thought oh my gosh are they going to allow allow you back in <laughs> but yeah um, yeah well we'll see <laughs> if i can make it back <laughs> well when you're back in the uk um i'm planning to i'm planning to head back i'm heading to planning to meet some people in london in the new year actually um people who've kind of um contributed to licensed queer and stuff so maybe we might bump it is are you in uh, university in london itself i'm working now uh, oh yes yeah, sorry uh yeah so sorry you're in um oh, that's fine. You, you did your masters didn't you and then uh you're you in it at the moment the real life queue yeah real life queue very much data science very much five screens with with different rows of of data on there um <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, you have a fantastic Christmas. You take care. Yeah, you too. Enjoy. Thanks.